Welcome to episode five of All the Best Craft Banter. This week we are talking to the ASBA Diversity and Inclusivity Committee. We have several members. We have Kevin from Old Beautiful, Andy from Toolshed, Sarah from The OT, and Ted from Partake. This group is talking about ways that you can prep for Pride coming up, as well as continue your efforts throughout the year. And later on, we'll be talking to Dom from Mammoth AR, who was our designer developer for the Alberta Beer All the Best app, which you can download in the App Store and on Google Play. And hopefully you take a listen and take a few lessons. So now we're going to start with introductions of the committee. So Andy, why don't you take it away? Hello, uh, I am Andy Kowalski. I am the operations manager at uh, Toolshed Brewing Company. Um, I have been here for a while. And uh, people here uh, at Toolshed kind of call me, for a while it was HR, but mainly now it's the arbiter of taste. So I hear a lot of things. I see a lot of things in the brewing industry. And I uh, am... For better or worse, the person who gets to tell people off if they say terrible things. So that's that's me. <laughs> and so why did you decide to join the committee? I decided to join the committee because, you know, as a woman in the industry, there aren't that many of us. And, you know, as a gay woman in the industry, there are even less. So, you know, I'm obviously focused on representation. Uh, this industry is very white, heterosexual, male dominant. So it's just nice to be able to have, you know, my voice and the voice of everyone else on this committee be heard because we are in the minority. So. Mm -hmm. Great. And Sarah, we'll head over to you. Hi, I am uh, Sarah here with OT Brewing Company. What do I do? I am in charge of marketing, sales, operations, Joined the industry kind of like for the same reasons Andy did. As a gay woman in the industry, I feel like our voices weren't being heard or there weren't enough of us in the industry to actually make a change. So kind of got me fired up to join the committee. And Ted. Yeah. Hi, uh, Ted Fleming. I'm the founder and CEO of Partake Brewing. And um, we we only make uh, non-alcoholic beer. And, and um, you know, I think the reason I joined the committee is, you know, I, I think diversity um, and inclusion are, are core values for us as a company. And it, it, it ties into, you know, our, our DNA as a company. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease about 15 years ago, I was really a lover of craft beer and, and, and struggled to um, stay to my health and wellness goals, which unfortunately involved giving up alcohol, but uh, still wanted to be part of the craft beer movement. And, and so I started to make non-alcoholic beer as a way for me to uh, feel included in that. And, and, and we've really gotten some great, great feedback from our community that it's, it's helping a lot more people feel included within, within the, you know, fantastic industry that we're in. And, and uh, so I thought uh, it would be great to have that perspective uh, within the committee. Great. Yeah, it's really great to hear all the reasons people have joined. And I think it just draws attention to the fact of what all this committee is going to be focusing on. And 
the different aspects of diversity and inclusivity. It's it's not one thing. It is a, a wide breadth of things. And I'm happy to have a lot of representation on the committee for that. So hopefully that encourages more of our members to get involved and speak up and find those avenues to participate. Um, we'll kind of go in a round table again and start with Andy. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you see in the industry today? I mean, there are a few. If anyone, you know, was paying attention to what was happening with Rat Magnet back in the day, um, not that long ago, but it feels like a while ago because we've kind of stopped talking about it a little bit. Um, a lot of those issues that were brought up there are pretty prevalent in this industry. It could be, you know, everyday sexism, racism, um, you know, and it's maybe not super overt, but some of it is. Um, and it and it really is just like what I want to accomplish here is to just keep these issues top of mind for people because it's easy with the news cycle to be like, oh, that was a big deal two months ago. Um, and now it's not really a big deal anymore. Uh, and I just I just want to keep it keep it current, keep people talking about it. Um, because there are those issues in our industry. Like we do, there aren't a lot of minorities really of any kind in this industry. So I just want us to be really visible and keep bringing up those issues that we're having. That's a really great point. And that is one of the biggest things that we have been dealing with um, in the last few months, obviously, like you say, summer kind of has distracted us, I think, from that conversation. But uh, definitely looking forward to getting back to that with a few things that we have coming up in the fall when we're kind of focused on our businesses again, as opposed to our guest experiences over the summer, I guess, is the best way I can explain that. But yeah, absolutely. We need to remember that these aren't cyclical with the media issues. And Sarah, how do you, what challenges or what are you, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the industry today? Um, I've seen a lot of homophobia and sexism around in the industry. I feel like those are the two like biggest highlights um, we should focus on. And Ted? Yeah, I, I think headline, it's, it's really the, the industry isn't conveying an, an image of inclusivity to a broad group of people. And I think, you know, uh, as an industry, we need to, to make feel, people feel like, Hey, this is, this is an industry I can join, feel welcome, feel included. I can build a career within, within the beer and craft beer industry. And I, I think we're just not conveying that as, as a broader industry at this point. And I think that's, it's a big, big lift, but also, also a big opportunity. And I think this you know, this, the fact that we're having this conversation today is a, is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think all of that comes together to make the really important point that it's not just an internal effort that needs to be made, but it's an external one as well. So it's both within your hiring, pro, um, hiring practices and who you include in your team, but also to the guests that come and enjoy your beer as well. So we, ha- we have seemingly two aspects to this, but it all ends up, I think, being one because if you're doing better in one side, you're probably going to improve the other side of that conversation as well. Um, so I think that's a really good point that all of you guys have kind of brought together there. This isn't to say, though, that the industry hasn't been doing some good work over the last couple of years, I would say. So 
Um, Andy, you've been in the industry for quite a while. Um, what are some of the improvements that you've seen the industry make? Because so many of us are so small, you know, I know that HR was not, you know, at the beginning when you're starting a brewery, HR isn't really a thing that you're thinking about. You're not putting into place um, employee standards and best practices and everything. Um, that's one thing that I have definitely seen people instituting, whether or not they're, you know, practicing um, what they what they preach is a different story because I don't know. But I've definitely seen movement on, you know, the HR side of things, which is really great. And that includes um, people also being more aware in their hiring practices um, because, you know, so much of this industry and I am... The reason I work at Toolshed is because I knew someone who knew someone. And that's really how many of us get into this industry. So it's kind of rewriting or trying to rewrite that kind of practice because it is... It was beneficial for me, but I also would love to see people who maybe don't know someone getting a job at a brewery based on their, you know, their merit and just being open to more than just the sort of quintessential brewery folks, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, I'll slide it in here. Uh, our, I think it was our episode three of the podcast. We spoke with Field Law. And there is a webinar available for members to go back and you can email us uh, to get that link. But we do have some guidance on those best practices for HR policies. And uh, Field Law does a really great job of discussing why you should have policies and best practices in place and how that um, not only protects you as an employer and a business, but it puts a really good peace of mind into your, your team. Uh, they understand what they have access to and where they can go for help and resources. And um, it's just a really good idea to listen to that podcast and have a lot of these things in place. So uh, yeah, email us if you want to check out that webinar. Um, so Sarah, we'll pass it over to you. Have you seen improvements in the industry since you've joined? I have. Um, actually, I was just commenting to Carrie the other day that in my visits throughout the Lassies and other breweries, I've seen a lot of uh, not like non-binary being hired everywhere. Like I'm, I, I love that all throughout other breweries and and yeah, licensees and everything. And again, like Andy said, the HR practices, like people are actually starting to put that in place, and people actually have somewhere to go talk to now. And with ASBA, like also reaching out um, and kind of getting some rules in place and things that you should be doing. Uh, I've seen a lot of changes and a, like a lot of breweries especially have started to implement like an actual HR person. Like if you don't feel comfortable talking to this person, here's the next one in line and, and more hiring of like, just not your typical brewery people, hipstery people, but literally people of all genders and non-genders, I guess. Yes. That's great. And Ted, um, I, I I apologize. I don't know how long Partake has actually been around. So I'm not too sure how long you've been in the industry, but curious if you've seen anything. Sure. So, you know, I I, I kind of put my my start date back in, in 2013. I actually started an, an online store doing some importing and selling non-alcoholic beer 
way back then. And then partake was a, was a evolution out of that in, in 2017. So I, I have a fair amount of perspective from a, from a time point of view, but also just as a, as a, a founder and a business owner that, you know, in, in fairness to a lot of startup businesses, you know, we, we were in survival mode for, you know, several years at the beginning, you know, we're, we're, playing off of the goodwill of friends and family who might come and help us, not knowing that there's there's a long-term career path uh, working with an, an early stage company. And so I, I think in the beginning, a lot of companies, you know, look look a lot like the founder and we're, we're, we're um, having to rely on friends and family to kind of help us out and people who believe in us. But, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that our business has been very successful and and my role has evolved to one where where I was wearing every hat in the business to now I have the perspective of a CEO where I can say culture is a, a very important thing for us and uh, and it will contribute to our success going forward. And so, um, you know, we, we have the resources to to put time and effort into thinking about how we how we improve. We'll we'll never be perfect when it comes to inclusion and diversity. Um, I think that's one step in the right direction is that acknowledgement, but it's a constant process to improve. And if we can share share more information and 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 breweries like Toolshed that are are further along in their in their journey, we can we can share resources and 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 bring the industry up. I think that's uh, that's something that uh, I'm excited to contribute to. Awesome, yeah, and I think that's a great point. I think that's part of the value of the association, and that we can bring people together and have these conversations. And for anyone who's a little bit further ahead, or maybe has found something that's extremely beneficial for you know better hiring practices and reaching a wider audience when they do have a position available, I think sharing that information and how those things have worked for each of us really makes a difference in being able to create a greater change. So I, I appreciate the the number of people who have joined this committee. Um, unfortunately, not all of them are here right now, but uh, we've, we've brought a lot more people on. And I think the conversation going forward is going to be really interesting and very beneficial. And uh, I think we're going to come up with a lot of really great things for this committee to accomplish. Um, and like you said, we'd probably never be perfect, but at least we're putting in effort and we're trying and we're we're doing tangible things. We're, we're not just talking about it. The goal is to do, have actions to go along with all of these good ideas. Um, my next question, I, I'm reading through it and I kind of phrased it in a way that I'm, I'm rethinking right now. But um, Andy, what can or should owners and managers be doing in their own space? But that's the part that I'm, I'm, I'm questioning the way I wrote it because I don't think it is just in your own space because there are salespeople that are going out and we have Alberta Beer Fest coming up in October and our own event. So it's not just in your own space, but it's basically anywhere that your employees go. So, you know, whether it's going out on a sales call or being involved in an event, it's all of those places that you might find your staff and your, your, um, your beer lovers. So what should owners and managers be thinking about? <laughs> um, it's a, that's a big, big question. It's a big one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> You know, obviously being being the model for your employees is really important. So, you know, practicing those those things that you are like we don't want it to be a do as I say, not as I do kind of a thing. So you don't obviously want your management, your ownership to be um, you know, maybe having conversations that would make people uncomfortable, um, whether that's 
at your establishment or elsewhere, because then it just basically allows other people who work under them to think that that's, you know, acceptable and everything. And, and, and I really think that it is, it is just being aware that this is an issue because I mean, if you're looking at ownership across, across the breweries in Alberta, um, like I, the great, great majority of them are going to be, um, white straight males. That's just, you know, looking at the demographic, that's just what it is. So it can be hard as a straight white male to understand the perspective of all of your employees. So I think it really is just very important to listen to them. Um, if they're having issues, if they bring something up, if a customer treated them poorly based on whatever, um, if another employee treated them poorly, or if you know there was a conversation that made them uncomfortable, it is their responsibility to, to listen and to empathize uh, with what people are saying. But the, the most interesting thing that I have heard from some people in this industry, is, like after um, you know hearing about this more often and, and having more conversations about it, it's, it's kind of like they're looking at some of us and being like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that that's what's happening? Like, I haven't seen that. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's like, are you, are you positive that that's what you and your peers are experiencing? And that, like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that response, of course, because it just makes me think like, Hey, you're not paying attention and you maybe don't care so much about what people who don't look like you um, are experiencing it in this industry. And, and uh, that's not just like, that's not, you know, like there are a lot of people in the industry who think that, and it's not just ownership and management. It, it's just practicing empathy and practicing listening and um, taking people at their word if they have felt uh, uncomfortable. So yeah, I think I, truly that's what management and ownership's role is going to be going forward is just listening and being aware. No, that's a great point. And we did do bystander training with the Center for Sexuality in June. And I think a lot of people found it extremely useful. Um, and I, I heard a lot of good conversation coming from that. But if it, like those are definitely the conversations that you don't want to hear, that's how they're going. Um, yeah, just because it's not happening to you, just because you don't directly witness it doesn't mean it's not happening. And you need to validate a person's feelings um, and validate their experience. It that's yeah, that's a scary thing. So that is definitely something we'll we'll look at offering more of in the future because it sounds like we we didn't hit all the marks and get in touch with all the people that need to have that kind of training. Um yeah, okay. Uh Sarah, what's what would you expect from owners and managers? What can I add? <laughs> like Andy just kind of like incorporated everything. Yeah, like <laughs> Um, on, I kind of agree with Andy. It's, it's, it's the validating when you go to that person. It's, yes, they're open door policy, but at the same time, once you get there, it's the actually validating and respecting and backing you up. Um, I don't know. OT is pretty lucky because our owner is a woman. So Carrie has open door policy. She's on your corner every time. So 
kind of agree with Andy that is more of the the validating and the put yourself in that other person's shoes first before you actually like, oh, is it really happening that way or something like that? Sorry, Andy just kind of like I went off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it. <laughs> the benefit of going first, I think, too. <laughs> and yeah, being the de facto HR person, I'm sure helps gain a perspective. <laughs> exactly yeah and Ted you come from a bit of a different perspective being an owner and a CEO so maybe you can speak to your colleagues at this point and you know it is all colleagues like great that Carrie is wonderful at OT may not be the case for everyone and you do have different dynamics in every uh, ownership group but maybe you could give some insights as to what you would expect um, of of your colleagues that are in the same position as you are. Yeah, I think we have some interesting perspective just just given the nature of the business we're in, you know, within craft, which is which is the non-alc um, part of the business entirely. And you know, we draw from our own personal experiences. We've I've been doing this for for many years now, and you know, the the acceptance of of non-alc beer is is certainly much improved from where it was four or five years ago when, you know, I, I get 20% of people coming up to me at a trade show saying, you know, what's the point? This is a stupid idea. And, you know, you, I, I can draw on that experience and say, okay, that's, that's not a conversation that made me feel good. The, the conversations that made me feel good were ones where people were empathetic. They, they wanted to know about the story, why I was doing this. And they were curious. They wanted to uh, understand sort of how this might fit into their lives and, and understand. And so, you know, for my team and my culture, I, I try to take those two, those two things, empathy. And I think a lot of us have it because we're, we're in the business that we're in and it, and it requires empathy because our, our customers require it. Um, but there's also the component of curiosity. And I think Andy may have touched on it where I think we want our team to just be genuinely open about what motivates people, what drives people, what's important, um, and then be able to layer on top of that the the empathy component. So those are those are two important words that I try to bring up in our our team meetings. I try to bring up in our interviews. Um, it's in our core values as a company. And so I th- I think from a from a, a leadership perspective, you it's important to have some some anchor words that. Um, that that hold your organization together and for me empathy and curiosity are are two that uh, are anchored to inclusion that's great and I, I like that you you brought up again having those core values and having those in your policies and really establishing those core beliefs as as a statement of who you are as a company i think that's really important and I, i've had a lot of conversations where people get a lot out of that and even in the hiring process when you can state those outright, people are more likely to apply for a position where they see a good culture. Um, so I think that's really important to bring that up. And I think that's a really good thing for anyone who is involved in the hiring process or anyone, even if you're just part of the team, remembering that you're a part of that culture so you can bring those things forward and and live those core values. And I think that's that's great. So my last question here, and then I'll open up the floor to anything else we want to add, but we do have Pride coming up in Southern Alberta um, in a couple of weeks or a couple of weeks from recording, but a couple of weeks from when this will air probably. 
Um, so it's a it's an easy time to kind of and I hate to say it this way, but to kind of jump on the bandwagon and say, hey, it's an event. Let me show my support now. But is there something more that breweries can do and other small businesses can keep in mind to really continue those efforts and not just have it be this one weekend in June or one weekend in September? Andy? Um, I mean, if someone's going to put out uh, a pride beer, it doesn't just have to be in September. It doesn't just have to be in June. Like you can have it all year round because pride is not something um, that I personally am only focused on uh, at those two specific times of year. So I just, obviously that's when it's the most visible to everyone else. Um, But you know, there is that, there is that concern about breweries um, putting out a pride beer but then you know they're they're keeping all of the profits and they're um, just doing it to sell more, and that obviously feels kind of gross. Not everybody does that, of course. You know, when when Kevin uh, was was our brewer at Toolshed, uh, they organized like a queer a queer brew day. So we pulled in people from across the industry um, who all came out and uh, you know brewed the beer with us. And then we hired um, like a, a non-binary uh, graphic artist, uh, Kevin. Sorry, Kyle Simmers, uh, who did the the art for us, and then you know released it for Pride. But but it, there was so much more going on behind the scenes. It was very intentional. Um, Kevin's organization of, of it was very intentional in bringing in um, you know queer people from for each part of the production of the thing. So. If you're if you're just doing a pride beer to do a pride beer, but you're not thinking about the rest of the pieces that go into it and how you include more people uh, in that process who are part of that community, then I don't know. I just and maybe donate some profits. Good pieces of advice, absolutely. Uh, Sarah, you are in charge of marketing, so I'm sure you have a big role to play here, and you have a lot of great ideas, but what would your advice be for anyone who's thinking about doing something around pride, but reminding them that it's not just this one weekend in September or June? Just because you're putting the pride flag on a beer and you're also a pride beer. Like there's a lot of components in the background that go with that. Like Andy spoke, there's a lot of background stuff that you kind of kind of tie in instead of just being like label, put a rainbow on it out in the market and it's pride. Um, for like for us, this is our second Pride beer that we're doing. Uh, and then this year we kind of tied it into the Tegan and Sarah organization. So just reaching out, there's so many different organizations out there that need help. Even just donating a portion in September, or like Andy said, like it doesn't have to be in September. It doesn't have to be this month. Like Pride starts in June internationally. There's a lot of things that you can do. Making yourself aware of little like microaggressions around, um, just around pride and everything, people get, I don't know, a little bit meaner. So even like, let's say you have the pride beer in your tap room, you have a client that comes in and starts speaking homophobia or whatever, shut them down. Like 
actually stand up for them just because they're a paying client doesn't mean you take their side like stand up for your people and if you're going to um, put your company out there as in yeah we support pride like support them all the way all year round yeah that's a great point i think that's a, a thing that we kind of touched on in the core values and the policies and being able to empower your employees empower your team to know where those those lines are what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate in your tap room in your space around your team. Um, empowering them to be able to say, this person was doing this and this is why I asked them to leave and to be backed up by management and ownership to say, yep, you made the right choice. That falls within everything that we've set out for you guys. That's what we do. That's what we want to establish as our tap room as a safe space or yeah, I think that's really important to remind people to set those set those expectations up of both your team and your patrons. Exactly. And and keep the pride flag on all year round too. Like I see a lot of breweries that bring out their pride decoration just for these like from June to September. Like keep them around all year long. Like make LGBTQ plus members comfortable in every space for breweries around Calgary or Alberta, however big Mm -hmm. we can get. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Ted, what would you suggest for breweries and other small businesses in this area and not just being a one weekend or one month effort? Yeah, I'd say it's the the first rule is it's not marketing. It's, it has to be genuine. and, you know, we, we as a company at Partake had a pretty vigorous debate around um, Black Lives Matter and, and you know, some of the stuff going on in social and did, do we participate, do we not participate, why or why not? And, you know, I think it fundamentally came down to us as a team that we said, hey, we're, if we just jump on and do one thing, then that's, then that's just marketing. We're just, we're just being part of the crowd. and. So from that, we developed some internal reporting to say, hey, look, if we're going to if we're going to do what all these other people are doing from a a social media point of view, um, there has to be more to it. We have to back it up with a longer term commitment. It has to be, um, you know, I think as as Andy and Sarah alluded to, it has to be an ongoing commitment, not just a a one and done type of thing. And so, um, you know, we've we've brought in some internal uh, an internal committee and an internal reporting on, okay, what have we lived up to um, our own expectations uh, from that point of view? And I think if if people view it as a longer-term commitment or a start of a longer-term commitment to making things more inclusive, um, improve diversity, then I think that's a great thing. But if it's if it's just a um, a short-term effort, then I think though I think if if you're approaching it that way, you're doing a disservice to the entire community. Yeah, I think it it really is just being aware of whether or not your intentions are uh, you know, authentic or if it's virtue signaling and you have to ask yourself that that question. You have to it's uncomfortable to ask uh to ask that question and to answer it honestly because, you know, we can all do better with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um and and with pride beers and and all of that stuff, like you just have to make sure that you are doing it for 
the right reasons and not just as a marketing ploy. And um, yeah, no, that's absolutely. I think people will see that you're genuine in your efforts and you are authentic and you live this year round. People will notice if it is just a June or September effort versus a all year round, I am welcome in this space. And and like you said, Sarah, you can do something fairly simple like putting up a, a pride flag or any of the any of the flags that represent. Obviously, we have quite a few, but you know, you can do something as simple as that. And it doesn't even have to be like straight pride flag putting up. Like it's as simple as having your bathrooms like gender neutral. Like as simple as having like, hey, it doesn't matter take a bathroom. Yeah. And I think to that point as well, like if you don't want to put up a flag, put up a statement that people can see and everyone sees when they come in the, in the tap room and establish those rules for your tap room. Say, this is what we will accept here. This is what we will not accept here. Or just be outright and like, everyone is welcome here. Like find a way to say that there's probably a million great examples online. And we as ASVA can look up some great examples and share those on our forum for members as well. But it you don't have to look for a thousand different stickers to put up. You can put one statement that just says what value you are encapsulating in your space. Um, so is there anything else you guys want to touch on? Anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with around what the committee is doing or just general efforts that should be made within a brewery space. Um, we'll stick with the same, the same uh, route here. Um, I, I think it's just really important to, you know, pay attention to what ASVA is putting out um, in terms of resources to find, maybe find your own if that doesn't cover everything that you need, you know, diversity in brewing is really great. And they also pro provide a lot of um, resources, uh, you know, going to events like they're holding tomorrow, which I'm sure by the time of release will have already happened. But, um, you know, it's the diversity panel that they're holding at Warren, Colorado. So even if, you know, even if you are you don't feel as though you are a minority in the industry, just go to those things and just listen just listen to people. Um, I mean, that's pretty much all, all that we can do is just continue to have the conversations and, you know, participate in them, even if you're not a minority in the industry, just keep paying attention. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. No one's going to judge you for what you don't know if you take the time and effort to learn for sure. Sarah, what do you think? Anything else you want to add to the conversation? I think, again, Andy covers everything. <laughs> she should not go first next time. Sorry. <laughs> nope, fair enough. If you think of anything, we can add it. Yeah, no, <laughs> keeping the conversation up, um, inviting people. Like, I know I got invited to this. Like, even though I do pay attention to everything that's going on, a lot of people aren't invited or are aware that all of this is happening. So just kind of reaching out. If you know that somebody should be listening or should be joining in like just grab them be like hey this is happening please join us or do you want to join us type of thing and just yeah keep the conversations open keep everything and pay more attention to ASPA as well yeah yeah that's a great point for the committee especially like we want to ensure that we're continually inviting voices into the conversation um there's always going to be someone with a different perspective everyone lives their life differently and will have a different experience. And 
uh, yeah, we want to make sure that everyone feels welcome to join in on the conversation and ensure that we're, we're, we are hearing different perspectives. So great point, Sarah. Andy didn't include everything. <laughs> and Ted, Ted, is there anything you would like to add to the conversation? Sure. Like this, this is my first time uh, participating as part of the committee and, you know, already, you know, talking to Andy and, and Sarah, just, you know, I'm, I'm a pr very grateful for their, their perspective and, you know, making, you know, two more, two new friends in the industry, people that I can uh, talk to directly. If, if I, I have some ideas or issues I want to bounce off, I'm sure they'd be open to uh, to a quick phone call. So, uh, you know, I think that just speaks to, you know, we're, we're a community here and, and um, you know, I think craft beer is, is generally a, a very welcoming community and, and means well, and, and let's, let's use each other as, as the great resources uh, that we are. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that. And I, and Andy gave you a thumbs up. I don't know if you saw that <laughs> while you were talking, so <laughs> definitely open for those conversations. And I know the rest of the committee is um, as well. I think, yeah, even just jumping on an email and putting an idea out there and getting some perspective is never a bad idea. So we will start who you are and why you joined the committee. Uh, yeah, my name is Kevin Learning. I am the head brewer at Old Beautiful Brewing currently. Been in the industry for a long time, both in Vancouver and Calgary. Um, I joined the committee because I want to see more representation. Uh, as a queer, non-binary brewer, there's not a lot of people... I don't see a lot of people like me in the industry, and it's kind of mind-boggling to me because it's such a fun industry to work in, and I would definitely love to see more representation. Given that you have a different point of view, even from the rest of our committee members, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges in the industry? Um, I think that... Uh, there's just like the biggest challenge, at least that I see, is is that there's kind of a status quo uh, in place, and uh, a lot of, there's a lot of lip service in, in changing that, but um, not I don't see a lot of action, and I think it's just convincing people to actually care, and not there's like a lot of when you bring up inclusivity and diversity, a lot of breweries, a lot of owners, a lot of whoever, they kind of dismiss it, saying, oh, you know, like it's not about your sexuality or your gender or your race. It's just so who's best for the job, which is great to hear, but it's that almost implies, you know, that people who aren't cis white straight men aren't the best for the job. So uh, I think that some effort needs to be put into it uh, where a lot of places are content to just keep it how it is. Yeah. And I think that comes with a lot of the conversation as well in effort to reach more diverse audience in hiring practices as well. Um, just knowing that you're pulling from a larger group of people can get you to that point of hiring the right person for the job. Exactly. And once you have more diversity in within your workplace, like it's really easy to keep that going. Like since I've started working at Old Beautiful, a lot of my friends have started working here who are also queer people. And you know, that ripples on to seeing more and more queer people in, in the tasting room, you know, more and more queer people getting hired. And it wasn't like a challenge because it's just natural that way. And so once you get the ball rolling, it's pretty easy to keep up the momentum. So you already kind of touched on it, but the next question is, where has the industry improved? Um, I think the industry has improved in the sense that it's at least listening now and you're starting to see uh, people get people like myself and the rest of the committee who aren't like the average cis straight white dude uh, are getting a platform to at least to, to share our, our feedback and 
there's a lot more listening when when you know when the rat magnet stuff came out you know breweries were listening they were they were taking it in and they were taking action against to try to fix the problem and um i love to see that starting and i would love to see it carrying on to more racial sexual minorities as well and so what can or should owners and managers be doing in their own spaces but i also caveated this when i spoke with the other committee members it's not just in your own spaces you have owners and managers need to remember that they're responsible for their team when they go out on sales calls or when they're at something like a beer fest or a market or any type of event that doesn't happen in their physical space, but happens in their employee space. So what should owners and managers be doing? Uh, I think of like one of the biggest things is, especially if you already have some diversity in your team, listening, just listening to what they have to say and um, understanding that what doesn't seem like a big deal to you as say a white person or a straight person can make a huge difference if, if somebody of like more of a minority is, is telling you that it's a problem. So I think that's a great place to start. If you don't have like any diversity or inclusion in your, in your uh, workplace, maybe that's uh, you need to do some serious thinking on why that is. And there's lots of uh, HR organizations and diversity organizations out there that you can pay to kind of get better practices in place. Um, I say emphasis on the paying people because it's not fair to say there's one non-binary brewer in the entire city to just continuously ask them every time you have a minute question. For sure. Yeah, I think people forget in all of the best intentions to do good work in this space that the people they're going to probably are getting asked by many other people for help and guidance at the same time. And their knowledge is valuable the same way anyone else's is. So yes, payment is very important. So with Pride coming up um, in Calgary and Southern Alberta, what is important for breweries and other small businesses to keep in mind? I think that if you're trying to... I think the big thing is avoid rainbow washing, which is uh, you know, just trying to capitalize on, on queer people the like one week of the year. Uh, if you're not supporting queer people throughout the year, if you're not hiring queer people, if you're not, you know, donating to to charities, uh, like queer run charities and things like that, you're you're not you're kind of not doing anything. You're just making money off of gay people. Um, so I think it's important to to kind of put your money where your mouth is. If you're the brewery that just wants to do a pride beer and that's it, that's great. But maybe like all the proceeds should be going to some charity or another. Uh, you shouldn't be patting your pocket with gay dollars if you're not going to walk the walk year-round. So is there anything that you could see year-round that is a pretty simple step that breweries and other small businesses could do that signifies their dedication to this year-round? Absolutely. I mean, hiring queer performers throughout the year, uh, most tasting rooms have entertainment at least every once in a while. And so putting in you know queer musicians queer comedians and like you know drag shows and and anything there's lots of queer people in the arts and by supporting them and giving them a platform you're putting money directly back into the community uh, i think that's that's a that's a great way to to start um you know there's lots of charities that maybe rather than donating like three thousand dollars once a year maybe consider like two hundred dollars a month or something like that that can that can help you know or like maybe do collabs with these charities. And so you can show some awareness to them, uh, not during pride when maybe funds aren't as, as you know, around or available. 
Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. And did you want to touch on anything about diversity in brewing? Yeah, sure. Um, diversity in brewing is an organization that started almost a year and a half ago. It started in Vancouver with a couple of really hardworking uh, queer and BIPOC individuals. Um, and it's spread over here to Alberta, mostly Calgary at the moment. Uh, it's basically an it started as a scholarship organization, which uh, with uh, three $5,000 scholarships per year going to Kwantlen Polytechnic University's brewing program for queer and BIPOC uh, people to, you know, get some experience in the industry. It's now expanded over to Alberta. We have another series of scholarships starting with Olds College um, as well, which uh, breweries are able to donate to by uh, just reaching out to the diversity and brewing contact on the webpage. So that's really exciting. There's also a lot of guides and content written by our members who come from various walks of life and are all in the beer industry and have different experiences. So it's almost like a little bit of a library that can almost like FAQ some of the the common questions that I get asked as a queer person, some of the common questions that maybe a Black woman in the industry gets asked. So those resources are all up there um, as well. So it's kind of a an education tool as well as a scholarship program. Fantastic. That's really exciting. Cool. And anything else that you want to touch on? No, I mean, we had that panel last week at uh, at Board Colorado that I think was really, uh, really beneficial and a lot of really good information came out of that conversation. So I would definitely encourage anyone who was there or not there even to, to consider uh, what they can do moving forward. And, you know, maybe we can keep these kind of things going on an annual or a biannual basis. Um, with different people to share their experiences and hopefully see more and more members and community growing. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us today, Dom. Really appreciate it. No problem at all. So you are the mastermind behind our Alberta Beer All the Best Augmented Reality app. Um, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> I tried to whip this together and tried to make it pretty fancy. So I'm happy you guys are liking it. Yes, absolutely. Like I said in our pre-conversation, I've had a lot of com- compliments on it and a lot of people really enjoying checking it out. I guess we'll start with the basics. So for people who maybe haven't downloaded it or haven't really taken advantage of all of the features, what is augmented reality? Oh, man. Um so augmented reality or AR um, is kind of like um, it's a way to embed digital information into your real world. So kind of like the the most basic version of that would be like a Snapchat or like Instagram face filter. It's, so like you open up your camera and it kind of modifies what you see to see this kind of digital overlay. Um, and in our case, um, we have two different kinds of AR. So we have like target AR, which when you kind of, when you scan a certain target image, something will pop up on your screen or we can end up doing some cool, fancy stuff later. Um, I think right now it's like a cool beer bottle cap that kind of redirects you to a, to a website. Um, and then we also have an AR map, which is the other type of AR, which is, um, uh, object AR. So basically, when you open up the AR map portion of the app, um, the phone starts kind of scanning your whole room area and it's just looking for little feature points so it can build a virtual map of it. And then you kind of just like place or tap with your finger and a map of Alberta shows up and you can kind of explore the different brewers in the different regions of Alberta that way. Yeah, it looks really great. I, I played with it myself and 
the only thing that I had um, it pushed back on me on, I guess would be the best way to say that, <laughs> is I was holding it too close to the surface. So is there an ideal distance? Because you can really put your phone, your camera towards anything. You could put it towards the floor. You could put it towards probably a bright tank, I think, um, as long as you're far enough away, right? Yeah. So that's where it gets a little iffy with AR because you need to like, your phone still needs to maintain its position in, in, in the world, right? So as long as you're not like a couple inches from the floor, your phone should be able to determine where it is in space and will be able to display the information kind of correctly where it should be. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So, so yeah, if you're in a brewery, hold it up to a bright tank, see how that works for you. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> so we are starting at kind of the base point, I think, for AR. What are some of the cool things that you've seen or done or that might actually be built into our app that I just think are really cool, but not realizing they're some of the more cutting edge things? Okay. I'll try to plant one idea in your in your brain. Um, okay. <laughs> I really like this one app we built for uh, a company in Saskatoon. I believe it's called Safety Train. Uh, they do like safety train videos and like experiences to like, I don't know, teach kids safety. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but we did a really cool AR app for them where we have this little coloring book. And when they scan the coloring book, it takes the colors that they drew on that paper and then it brings their 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 mascot is Spike the dog. So it brings him to life and he's colored the way you colored him and he does a little like animation. And I, it, it's really cute and it's really cool. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So now I'm just going to start thinking through all the things that we can do with uh, Alberta craft beer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Color in a beer. <laughs> oh, a beer contest to design a logo. Ooh, there you go. We hey. we have no shortage of logos or even like label designs for our members. So like as cool of the things that exist already are, I'm sure that uh, adding an AR element would be even more interesting. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you envision AR as kind of like the next thing that people are going to be using? Um, or is it kind of the thing to be using right now? Oh man, um, call me like a futurist crazy person, but I, I wholeheartedly believe that AR is kind of the next stage of a medium. So like right now, everyone has a phone on them and everyone uses their phone, watches videos on their phone and everything, right? And we're, we're moving towards it. We're not quite there yet, but like, let's say 50 years down the line, right? Um, there's there's things like Apple is kind of working on AR glasses. I think that is going to be the next replacer for a phone where you don't really need to hold this stupid rectangle in your hand, right? You'll just have something pop up kind of like in 3D space in front of your vision and it'll just interact with your fingers, you know? I'm curious about that because like Google had their glasses, what, seven, eight years ago. And I feel like those maybe those were ahead of their time by what you're saying. Yeah, so the Google Glass was cool. It was um, it was really a heads-up display. So it was kind of just this little thing that was like a little screen in front of you that had like transparency to it. And it's like, it was they did great for their time. Um, but then we have stuff like the Magic Leap that came out that's a lot closer to kind of the future that all these techies envision and like uh, the Microsoft HoloLens. And those are still, they're getting there, but they're still a bit janky. And like the field of vision is like 
what is that like maybe like four inch it's like 30 percent of your vision is only ar but like i think pretty soon we're gonna have like some rapid development in ar glasses i think when like the big players like there's a lot of rumors out there that Apple's coming out with like their eyeglasses or whatever. Um, I think when they put something out and when Google puts out like a new Google glass two or whatever it may be, that's when it's really going to kind of skyrocket. Cause even the stuff we're doing with AR on your app, um, we're using AR kit and AR core, which are the augmented reality libraries that Apple and Google developed. And these are things that have been built in a way that they can be reused for their future tech. So it's 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 all kind of building up to this this cool new medium. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And I think that I'm really excited about this app and where it can take Alberta Craft Beer. And so for anyone who's you know within Alberta and visiting these craft breweries, it's a great way to to know which ones are coming on board, which ones are new to the province. We've had many open in the last couple of years, but I'm really excited to see where our breweries could take this and where we can take this as the association for breweries. Um, I know that in developing this, we had a lot of conversations with your team about where this could go. And I'm curious if you had any kind of notions while you were developing it of where you would like to see us maybe take this in the years to come. Oh, man. I wasn't really thinking too much about the future. I was really like tunnel visioned on making it really, really cool right now. <laughs> um, but on the spot, I think it'd be really cool if each different brewer had their own kind of AR experience associated to them. So if people go to whatever their pub or even they have like a little code printed on the back of a label of like a tall boy or a beer um, that you kind of hold the AR camera up to and something cool happens, mm-hmm. that 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 could be something cool that every brewer can kind of uh, gain from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really adding a personal piece and yeah, like you say, with the two different technologies, whether it's a target or I'm sorry, I forget what the other one was called. It's just like um, an object, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah, they could easily use one of their core beer labels. A lot of them are super dynamic. And by what we've done together, I, I've, kind of have an idea i think about what targets work and what pictures graphics will work to start triggering some kind of animation or some kind of action so yeah i think there's a lot of really interesting things that our our brewery members can do with this oh definitely (laughs) do you see a lot of like you guys are obviously based in calgary um do you see a lot of alberta companies starting to get on board with this and do some really interesting things yeah, a lot of our clients actually are Alberta companies. It's only occasionally where we kind of get someone uh, like either out of the country or like out of the province. But a lot of our com- or a lot of our contracts are Alberta based, and it's really cool because we can actually like go see it after we produce the app or produce the installment. It's 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 a it's a quite magical experience as a programmer <laughs> actually when you actually get to leave and see something that you built, and you're like, whoa, people like it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And I I think what I found so interesting about this um, in looking at the examples on your website was seeing the, I guess, uh, I want to say consumer, but end user engagement on a lot of these things. There was 
I think some things in like shopping malls where characters would come to life and yeah. kids would play around with them. And like your, your example obviously was kind of kid targeted as well. So I think those ones are just fun to watch how the kids interact with it. I think that's part of the allure there, but oh, I think totally. that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, I think the end user um, experience is something that I'm really looking forward to in the, with this. And so with our app specifically, what do you think is the value to the end user? I would say two things specifically out of this app and its current state would be the passport is like freaking huge. Cause you have like all of these available brewers that you can kind of explore through and see where you've been, leave little notes of like, Oh, I really liked this beer at this pub. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the, the map is cool. Cause you get to like, explore and 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 see what's kind of near you and well i guess that's both points that i was trying to make one was like (laughs) the passport and the other was like the novelty and the fun that that people get from it from seeing something new and cool and and it's not even just like a one-time thing because they get to come back and update their passport and kind of go through their notes and be like oh you know what i want to try this beer again because i really really liked it Mm -hmm. absolutely and yeah so for the stuff that's coming up, so right now it is really focused on the passport and the map portion of it. And we're going to have target images available during Alberta Beer Week in October that lent, that um, are tied to our Unity Brew and our Alberta Beer Awards and Alberta Beer Week overall. So when those come around, how do people use them? Okay, so when those big events come, um, they would just need to open up the app and click on the AR camera, and then you'll just see the little bubbles and the scene transitioning. Um, And when your camera opens up, you really just have to point your camera at whatever poster, target, sticker, whatever you guys decide to print the stuff on, or yeah, that's that's pretty much it, and the magic will happen. (laughs) Perfect. That sounds way too easy. Awesome. Easy is good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, easy is good. Absolutely. (laughs) That's great. Um, I don't know that I have any other questions because I think it is such a user-friendly app. And I mean, it's it's easy to find in the App Store and the Google Play Store. It's um, Alberta Beer, all the best. Um, What else am I missing? Is there anything else that we need to tell people? Um, I guess we could get people hyped for the brewing experience because that's going to be pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, we are slowly working on building that one. Um, but yeah, kind of learn how to learn how the brewing process goes. Yeah, and and not only learn, but like see it in a very cool fashion because we're gonna mm-hmm. go all out on the animations and make it really fancy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Even I'm excited. This is this one is this part's new to me too. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Um, oh. <laughs> awesome. Well, like I said, I don't know that I have anything else. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Hey, anytime. It was a pleasure. Definitely a pleasure. And anyone who's looking for augmented reality services, building an app, or just learning more about it, Mammoth AR is the company that we use. So definitely go online and check them out. This has been episode five of All the Best Craft Banter. And as this podcast is made possible by Astronomic Audio, Astronomic Audio is proud to help make Asba's big ideas sound even bigger. And we're thrilled to have them as our partner. So thank you for listening. 
take a look back at previous episodes and take a listen there. Let us know what you think. If you have ideas for our episodes, also let us know that at admin at albertabrewers.ca. And we hope you listen next time. Bye.